Welcome to Seeing God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. Spiritual warfare. What is it? What is the core issue of sociological, ecological, and environmental? What happens with capitalism that disregards the climate? We're told that these are key issues that evolve basically down to the core of situational ethics, the color of the skin, the bank accounts, who rules and dominion. Mankind has always had the basic fundamental tenet that Adam was made to watch over and keep the creation that God had created. He set Adam over it. He was to subdue the earth and replenish it. That being over the creation of God has led many to one up the other. In other words, who who has the gold makes the rules, or that's the worldly golden rule. You don't look after number one, the one else will. It is a spiritual war, not just something in environment or environmental ethics. It is a spiritual warfare. That is, we have departed from God. The nation that forgets God, God said, I'll turn it into hell. Sinners of reproach to any people, but righteousness exalts a nation. Now we're trying there in prayerful seeking the Lord that in Second Chronicles 7.14, the Christian population is the only hope for environmental there in famine, pestilence, sword, and noisome beast, because it's held in the hand of God, not mankind. But they're thinking themselves wise, they become fools. And God states that. We are told the, the whole solution to the problem is very simply, if my people, which are called by my name, that to be called by the name of Jesus, and that is taken on the name of Jesus, in a Christian outlook, not being conformed to the world, but being transformed by the renewing of our mind. That is not in situational ethics, that what seems to be good, then do it, according to whatever your situation allows. It has to do with obedience to the Word of God and the principles of God. And these are called the commandments of God, statutes, principles, line upon line, precept upon precept, that if a person obeys that we have the promises of God, that God will take care of that nation. Righteousness exalts a nation. Sin is a reproach to any people. Now, the definition of righteousness we've covered on previous podcasts, but very basically, it's the revelation of Jesus and giving glory to him that created all things. The sociological, ecological things of being out of balance and they're coming against uh, people that are subservient to the others, there is supposed to be equality. And equality is uh, what we deem to be that someone rules over another or has uh, this dominating force that it is supposed to be. And the, the basic problem to being Christianity, that Christians are held to be 
somehow or other, a threat to democracy. Now, how can that be? Because when we are told to pray for those ones that are in authority and those that bear the rule over you, Romans 13, everyone knows it, and for the civic leaders as well, as well as the police force, having a civil government there, which is subject to the law of the land. But when that civil authority is abused, we defund the police. We don't get behind this authority that God has granted there to the nations. Then we have anarchy. When we have anarchy, then that's iniquity. Iniquity is lawlessness. There's no law. Just do whatever you seem right. And by doing so, to tear down the system as you see it, and the more you tear it down, the better it's going to be, when it's obviously just the opposite. If righteousness exalts a nation, then we need to know what righteousness is. Well, it's grace, the grace of God. Grace reigns through righteousness. We see that in Romans 5. But what is righteousness? Jesus gave us that definition, the biblical righteousness, in John 16. He said, when the Holy Ghost has come, he'll reprove the world of, uh, of sin. I've sinned because they believe not on me, Jesus said. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father. Now, that's a one God message. That's a one God ideology that there's only one body, one spirit, not two, not three persons in a Godhead. That's righteousness. I go to my Father not beside him, not around him, to him. That is explained in John 16. And he, Jesus stated, I'll no more speak to you in Proverbs, but I'll show you plainly of the Father. Now that's the mystery. The only office of the Spirit that has been a mystery held throughout the ages has been that office of the Father. That is Christ, that is God. We see that given plainly to us by Paul in Colossians, the second chapter. Paul states that this mystery of Christ that's been hidden from the ages as, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets as stated in Ephesians 3 is uh, literally declared to us in Colossians 2, a letter to the church of Colossians. And Paul states there to the full, assuring, the full assurance and the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, we're thinking that that's a trinity, or certainly at least a binary, that the Father is not the Son, but the Son is another person. It is uh, that Son of God that's manifest in the flesh, not the Father. And that's where we've jumped track. And that's where we breached righteousness and had pleasure in unrighteousness and lifting up this this false idealism and this false concept that God is a trinity. And uh, this concept of a triune Godhead is there where we find John stating very plainly for us in Revelation 16, 13, that there is no triune God or tritheist. There's only one God. Well, where did this triune God come from? Well, it's man's precepts, concepts of God. 
And because if there's a father, then we think the son has to be different because the son can't be the father, which the word of God states that without a shadow of a doubt, the, the, fine, the bottom line principle of God, the foundation of faith is simply that the father is the, in the son of God revealed. The son of God is the father revealed, not a different spirit. It's one of the self-same spirit. In John 10, 30, Jesus said, I am my father of one. The son of God is the father revealed in the same spirit. The son of God is that spirit revealed. He's the image of the invisible God. You want to see God? Take a look at Jesus. Jesus said uh, in John 14, that you believe in God, believe also in me. And my father's house so many mansions were not so. I would have told you I could have prepared a place for you. That's what I'm doing in this flesh because Adam lost it. Only an Adam can redeem us back. Well, that Adam there is that perfect, spotless, blameless Lamb of God, which is Emmanuel, God with us, not Son of God with us, God with us. So the Lord is using judgments now in the land to get us to return to the true and living God, the true revealing of Jesus Christ, the true unveiling of who he is in his essence and his intrinsic value, that he is the Father. And this situational ethics, there will be an hierarchy, an anarchy, and will be iniquity against the true and living God. So we have to turn back to the true God and eternal life. And that is if the people of God, which are called by his name, they took on his name in baptism. But we're told baptism has no uh, salvation uh, merit at all. He that believeth and is saved shall be baptized, is what they think in Mark 16, which is directly opposite in truth that Jesus himself said, he that believeth, and is baptized, shall be saved. But we have averted that because of that, that issue of baptism that the people are not called by his name. Because you take on the name of Jesus and buried with him in baptism, raised in the news of life, as many as been baptized into Christ and put on Christ, but they have set that baptism as a non-essential issue for salvation. Saying baptism doesn't save you. That's not what Peter said. Peter said, then the long suffering of the days of Noah, wherein eight souls were saved by water, 1 Peter 3. Eight souls saved by water? Yes. In the days of the long suffering, in the days of Noah, eight souls were saved by water. Now, that is Noah prepared an ark for the saving of a soul, whereby baptism doth also now save us. Hmm. Not to putting away the filth of the flesh, not taking a bath or a shower, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. The conscience is in the human spirit of man. That's how you believe with the heart. Well, that has been omitted. And there's various things that we have curtailed and cut out of the word of God, which has cost us dearly in the commandments, statutes, precepts of the truth of God. And very basically is, that you have to be born again of the water and the spirit. And most overlook that. In John 3, Jesus tells Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must be born of the water and the spirit. Now, Nicodemus didn't understand that. And he said, how 
can a man that is old enter the second time into his mother's womb? That seemed impossible. But Jesus stated that which is flesh is flesh, that which is spirit is spirit. We're talking spiritual things here. And just as Paul stated in 1 Corinthians, that second chapter, he speaks wisdom to those that are perfect. Why? Because the ones perfect are striving, pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, always stirred up, not at ease in Zion, but always pressing toward that mark, running in a race, actively seeking the Lord their God. As many as be perfect, be thus manning, what? Pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus said he would uh, punish all those that were settled on their leaves when he searched Jerusalem with candles. He said, woe be unto them that are at ease in Zion. We are content with the things we have in the world, but we're never content and settled on our leaves there with what we have in the word of God. We're always pressing toward the mark for the prize to be like Jesus, conformed to his image. For whom he did foreknow, them he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. There, that's the will of God, to bring many sons unto glory. That's Ephesians 1, the mystery of the will of God from the foundation of the world has simply been to gather all things together in one in Christ Jesus, not of our own merit, not of uh, there of our own righteousness, which is his filthy rag, but the righteousness of God by faith. And that requires obedience unto righteousness. That righteousness is what Jesus has already done. God uh, was manifest in the flesh, not the Son of God. 1 Timothy 3.16 God himself, the Spirit of God, was manifest in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. That's God manifest, Emmanuel, God with us. But iniquities abounding in these last days. It's spiritual warfare. That spiritual warfare there, when we are fighting the good fight of faith, enduring hardship as a good soldier, trouble on every side, but not in distress, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed, always bearing about in our, in our body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of the Lord Jesus may be made manifest in our mortal bodies. For we which live are always delivered unto death, that the life of our Lord Jesus would be made manifest in our mortal bodies. And this light affliction, which is only but for a moment, works for us a more eternal and exceeding weight of glory. It's an exceeding and eternal weight of glory that God, through obedience to his word, there blesses us. We have the blessings of God, the grace of God upon us, upon the nation. And that grace reigns through righteousness, Romans 5. And righteousness there in turn exalts the nation. And God says that the nation that forgets God will be turned into hell. God is angry with the wicked every day. This God of love that everyone says that, that simply by John 3.16, if you believe with an intellectual consent that Jesus is the Son of God, that you're safe. But that's not the truth. In John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That is not Mono Janel. 
only born son. No, it's monogamous, the only begotten, uh, that is, uh, that so unique, solitary, unique one. That is God himself manifest in the flesh, not the son of God, the God manifest in the flesh. It's the only begotten God, the monogamous theos. You find that truth in Isaiah 43.10. You are my witnesses, thus saith the Lord, the true witnesses of God. That's a capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's the Lord Jehovah God Almighty, Yahweh, the Tetragrammaton, the Odawah. That is Jehovah Lord God Almighty, the self-existent, eternal spirit of God, who's the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent spirit. You're my witnesses, thus saith that spirit. And my servant, whom I have chosen. Well, that definitely sounds like another one. But that's not the case. Because God said that you may know and believe me and understand. Have the understanding of the Godhead. That I am he. The Lord, that self-existent eternal spirit of God, is that servant. Before me, there was no God formed, stated there. And there will be no other God formed after me. God formed himself a body of flesh and blood. God manifest in the flesh. See, now that I am God, thy Savior, the Lord, thy Redeemer. Jesus stated that in Isaiah 43, 10. And the whole volume of the book, it's written of Jesus Christ. I come to do thy will of God for a body that has prepared me. God prepared himself a body. That me is God himself. He prepared himself a body. The Holy One of Israel, Isaiah uh, 43, verse 15. There's not another. Anything other than that is called iniquity. And in the last days, iniquity will abound. As stated in Mark, Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 10, Luke 21, iniquity is abounding. And when iniquity abounds, love of many will wax cold. It'll drop away. Before, uh, 10 years ago, there was a 70% of the uh, the, uh, the public, the gener generation in the United States of America that said, yes, I'm a Christian. That's dropped down to 49%. Now it's going less. Well, why? Well, because iniquities abounding, the love of many is waxing cold. And people said, I don't want to engage into the battle. I want non-confrontational. I don't want to fight a good fight of faith. I don't want to fight. But Jesus said, you're already in that fight by simply being born into the human race, and we must be born again. All that seek him will find him. Ask him to be given, not going to be open unto you. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, the door of your heart, I'll come in and sit with him and he with me. That's to the believer. If my people, which are called by my name, Second Corinthians, 2 Chronicles, 7.14, if my people, which are called by my name, not just uh, asking Jesus to come into their heart, but being born again of the water and the spirit, according to that truth given by Peter on the day of Pentecost, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. That's the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. That name was revealed by Jesus, revealing the name of the Father in John 17. He said, O Holy Father, I've manifested your name. Keep through thine own name those that thou hast given me, Jesus said. When he rode into Jerusalem on the coat of the fowl of an ass, he said, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he 
not them, or the Trinity. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is Jesus. That's the name of the Father. The name of the Son is Jesus. No one will refute that. The name of the Holy Ghost, what? I send the Holy Ghost in my name, Jesus stated. That name is the name of God. It's the name that is above every name. It's the only revealed name of God. It's the blood name of God, the only salvation name of God. That you see there in Acts 4.12, no other name given unto heaven than whereby we must be saved and at the name of Jesus. There's no other name. Well, how do you take on the name? And that is being born again. So that taking on the name, being born of the water and the spirit was given to us by Peter in Acts 2.38. Many have missed that, which then is iniquity. We missed the mark. We have to hit the mark. Well, what do we do? Well, the keys of, of the kingdom were given to Peter. And they said in Acts 2.37, men and brethren, what must we do? What do we do? What must we do? And Peter said, repent. He had the keys of the kingdom. He's the one that will be the spokesperson that will give us that great commandment of God to be born again in the book of Acts 2, verse 38. And he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, there's no name there. There's no blood. And the name is the blood. The blood is the name of Jesus. That's what you see in the book of Acts. It says, no more preach anymore in this man's name. For when you do, you do intend to bring his blood upon us. Because that's the name, the blood name of God Almighty. The salvation name of God in the power of the blood in the name Jesus. The devil hates that name because it's the blood. He hates the blood. And that is that blood of God Almighty. They eat his flesh and drink his blood is taken on the name of Jesus in water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. That's born of the water. Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission of your sins. That's the only way you can be born of the water, have your sins washed away through that circumcision of the heart and the spirit where the conscience is purged from dead works to serve the living God by baptism. You'll see it in Romans 2, 28 and 29. You'll see it in Romans 6, 1 through 6. You'll see it in Colossians 2, 10 through 12. It's by baptism, through faith in the operation of God, the raising for the dead, uh, that the body, the sins of the flesh are cut off there by baptism. That's how important that baptism is, being born of the water. Now, assuming that you as an individual have been born again, taken on the name of Jesus in baptism, He's been baptized into Christ and put on Christ. That's your wedding garment. You've obeyed the commandment of the Lord Jesus Christ that given to Peter, who had the keys to the kingdom. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, born of the water, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, born of the Spirit. The promise is unto you, to your children, to a many that are far off, even to as many as the Lord our God shall call, even to this day. Well, that is the ones that are called by the name of Jesus. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. Well, we have to make sure that we've been baptized, repented first, 
that we're going to live the scriptures, live the, the word of God, adding to our faith virtue, being virtuous toward our Lord God. And then that after we've repented, truly repented, they're going to a change of mind, a change that we're going to serve God. It's an intellectual exercise that, yes, God, I make a choice. I'm going to serve you. That's repentance. And that don't stop. Have the circumcision of the heart and the spirit where you can believe with the heart. How do you believe with the heart? Well, the mouth confess and is made, but with the heart, man believeth. Well, how do you believe with the heart? Have the heart circumcised. That the body, the sins of the flesh are destroyed by baptism. Colossians 2, verse 12. That's Romans 6, 1 through 6. What you know not, as many as you were baptized or baptized into Christ's death. That's baptism. That's through this light figure that baptism doth also now save us in 1 Peter 3 in the days of Noah, wherein eight souls were saved by water, the light figure. Baptism doth also now save us. Just as Jesus stated in Mark 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Born of the water. Now, the people that are called by the name of God have to take on that name in water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. There's no other way. You'll see it in Acts 2, 38, 4, 12, Acts 8, 16, Acts 10, Acts 19, Acts 22 with Paul on the Damascus Road, baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And we're told that that has no bearing on salvation at all is a blatant lie. Well, those that are called by the name of the Lord that have been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and received the Holy Ghost after they've repented, according to Acts 2.38, they have come into that greater truth, are born again. They're born again Christians. According to John 3, Acts 2.38, and everyone from that point on, after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, Receiving the Holy Ghost in the upper room in Acts 2, were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And those there were born again. Those are the people called by the name of Jesus, taking on his name in baptism. Water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, those at if our dilemma now that we're finding iniquity abounding here throughout the nations, and especially God is blessed in the grace upon the United States simply because we sent forth the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ into the nations. But now, iniquities abounded. They're turning to these social, ecological, environmental issues, situational ethics, that, oh, well, this is something we have to say, change our mind. We can't uh, stay in the same mode of statutes, ordinances, and commandments of God. We have to change. No, we have to go back to these old paths where it's a good way. And God said, if you do that, my grace will abound on you. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound, but that grace reigns through righteousness, and righteousness is uh, obedience unto these exceedingly great and, uh, promises given to us, whereby we are made partakers of his divine nature. But people don't want that. They don't want to be called by his name and do God's will. They want to do their own will and their own agenda. And that's called iniquity. And when iniquity abounds, the love of many will wax cold. And that is what will make way for the wicked one to be revealed. 
because only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. That's iniquity. Civil government and the law of the land will be done away with. Chaos will rule. Then the wicked one will come on the scene. That's a capital W, I-C-K-E-D, in 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter. That's a man of sin, the son of perdition, who opposeth all that is God, or that is worship, so that he as God, setteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God, through signs, miracles, and lying wonders. Who will have an ear to hear? The only solution to us going further and further away from God in this equity so-called climate, which is against God, it is anti-Semitic against Israel, and it's anti-Christian. It's simply to the people that are called by his name. If we're not been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, if we have not received the Holy Ghost without outward evidence of speaking in other tongues, according to Acts 2.38, given to Peter, who had the keys to the kingdom, then we are, we are part of the problem and not the solution. So how do we do that? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, born of the water. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, born of the Spirit. Now you are born again. You're called by the name of the Lord. Then claim it. Bring God's promises to remembrance. Second Chronicles 7, 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. It takes a, a humbling of the people of God and turn from their wicked ways. Don't go with this woke ideology. Don't go against the commandments, statutes, precepts, and judgments of God. Obey his word. Then grace will abound upon you. If my people which are called by my name that have been born again of the water and the spirit, Acts 2.38, they are the ones that have the burden upon them to seek God's face. Notice, if the people which are called by name shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face. The face of God is coming to the image of Jesus Christ and obedience unto righteousness unto holiness. These are exceedingly great and precious promises and obedience. Obedience unto righteousness, Romans 6. And then, Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. We have to go on into the present proceeding word of God by which every believer lives by. That proceeding word of God. And that's present truth. God is sealing his people now that have an ear to hear. As God stated uh, there, there in uh, the Transmara, Kenya, Africa, while I was preaching in a Messiah tribal church. And I'm nothing. I'm such a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not of any of my righteousness and my holiness, but simply through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord visited me there and said, Seal my people by my word. Even as I send my angel ascending from the east heaven to seal the living God, so send I you. I was flabbergasted. Many were in the last of the last days. We're in troublous times. Men of our pleasures, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Heady, high-minded, truce breakers, disobedient to parents, self-thankful, unholy, 
having a form of godliness, denying the power thereof. That's what we're living today. And the governments are saying, this is equity. Let everybody do their own thing. Forget this old commandments of God. Let's do some new thing. Well, God's doing a new thing. And the new thing is judgment late to the line. Righteousness to the plummet. To those that have an ear to hear what God is saying to the church. To the church is. The ones that hear will live. The ones that don't will die. It's present truth and the preceding word of God. There is the only solution to the problematic environmental equity changes uh, in sociological, ecological, environmental things that we're looking at today, climate change and everything else, uh, racism, all the troubles that we're seeing in the land today. There's only one solution and that's God. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then God said, I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sins. I'll heal their land. That's the only hope for America. And those that haven't ear to hear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Give me a call. Let's work together. Dennis Beard, Air Country Code, plus one. Area code 903-746-4885. Many of you are calling, want to work together. I want to work with you. God's pulling his body together. Not for any of our righteousness or holiness, but for his name's sake, he's doing it. In the unity of the faith, of whichever joint supplies the edifying itself in love. Those that have an ear to hear are moving on it. And uh, coming together in the word of God, not for an individual, but for the word. The word of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, give me a call, leave a message, I'll get right back to you. We'll work together, lift up the Lord Jesus Christ, for if he be lifted up, he'll draw all men unto hell. Country code plus one. Area code 903-746-4885. Well, we pray that every and each one of us, that God will perfect that which is lacking in us. There, that we will be presented blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in both spirit, soul, and body. Perfect that which is lacking in each one of us is a prayer for you, and please pray for us. Till the next time, this is Brother Dennis Spirit saying, Behold, the real Jesus.